there is no whiteout in life. There's no just delete button. So we have to take those stories that don't have the most positive role. And if we can't rewrite them, we need to learn from them and be able to identify the way that they've impacted us and try to work around them. In her book, Conversational Intelligence, Judith Glasser wrote, to get to the next level of greatness depends on the quality of our culture, which depends on the quality of our relationships, which depends on the quality of our conversations. Everything happens through conversations. Welcome to Conversations, powered by Quantivos. Welcome to this episode of Conversations. I'm Brian Gorman, your host and a coach here at Quantivos. And our guest today is Sarah Losey. Sarah is founder of Favorite Daughter Media. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. So we need to begin with a story. The name of your business is Favorite Daughter Media. It is. And how did that come about? Um... It, it was kind of a lifetime in the making. My sister is not the biggest fan. I often get asked if I'm the only daughter, which I'm not. I am the favorite. Um, I really named my company not so much after myself, but after my dad, because my dad has always been such a supporter in my life, but exactly in the ways that I needed him to be. So he was, if I was making very unplanned, impromptu decisions, he would be the one to slow me down and help me do it in ways that worked out better. So he's helped me get to where I'm at. And his the relationship I have with him is one of my favorite relationships in my life. So it's really named after him, not so much after me, but I still like it so that it makes my sister sad. <laughs> we will go into those dynamics here. No, no, I saved that for therapy. Okay. But I really do want to focus on the power of story. And this is a theme that we return to both inside of some of our podcasts, but also thematically as the basis for others, because stories are so powerful and because so many people refuse to acknowledge that they are incredibly powerful storytellers. And I put everyone in that category because we all are telling ourselves stories all the time that we believe and they become our truths and they really guide how we live our lives. And stories don't have to be 10,000 words long, do they? No, and they don't have to be headline worthy either, which I think people assume their story needs to be newsworthy. Can you say more about that, Sarah? Yeah, I think we live in this 24-hour news cycle and we see stories that are sensational, that are dramatic, that are traumatic. And I talk to people all of the time trying to figure out what their story is. And the first thing that they say is, I don't have a story. Because we're looking at it from this mindset of if it's not newsworthy, it's not a story. But the stories that connect us with other people are stories of shared experiences. And with 8 billion people in this world, the chances of you going through something in your life that no one else has gone through 
is so slim. So if you start thinking of your stories as just moments in your life that taught you something or that changed something, kind of that fork in the road moment, whatever it is, stories like that are going to really resonate with people because they've been there too. I love that focus on stories as connector. And I hadn't really thought about that in the same way that, that you expressed it in a long time, but it is so true that our stories are how we find common ground. Yeah, as people, we just want to connect with other people. And so many of us kind of do it naturally. It's just how conversations flow. Somebody says something, it makes you think of something you've experienced, and then you go into it. So we do it naturally, and this is just how we connect with people one-on-one, -on -one, but people don't realize that you can do that to connect with the masses. That's how you can become a great podcaster, a great speaker, a great thought leader, is by going with those stories that excite you or that draw up your emotions. And when you tell them, you're going to share that experience with your listeners, and they're going to feed off that emotion feed off that excitement, and then really feel that connection with you. I'm going to share a client's story. I'm not going to share the client, but I'm going to share <laughs> his story. And, and some of our listeners have heard this before. He was responsible for, among other things, a manufacturing facility. And he said, I, I don't know what to do. I have so much trouble getting people to pay attention to the safety briefings. And yet I know how important they are. I grew up without a grandfather. He was killed in a workplace accident. Story, emotion, connection, all of that. Yeah. And we then explored his storytelling and that story and others that he has to share. And it changed the tenor of the safety briefings going forward. Yeah, when you lead with information, it's hard to grasp that audience. Because when it comes to information, there's very little that you can share that they can't Google. So your contribution is your experience and is your story. Because if you're just giving facts and figures, they don't really need you for that. They can look it up. If they're interested in your topic, they can just go home and search the internet for it. But they can't find your story there. And if you can just weave in that really valuable information as part of the story and as part of the lessons that you learned within that story, that's how you're going to really grasp that audience. Going to come back and let's do some story exchange in a moment. But just listening to you made me think for some reason about a series of conferences that I attended back in the, probably in the 1990s. And this individual would hold a several-day conference once a year to introduce new products, new services, and so forth to all of his customers. And he always had a keynote speaker. And he's a world-renowned expert, really, on organizational change. And one keynoter was a guide in a uh, reserve in South Africa. The topic that was being presented was resilience. And the guide talked about the resilience of the wild animals and tied it to the resilience characteristics that were being presented in the Broder Conference. We're talking about maybe close to 30 years ago, and I still remember that. 
And then I remember his dentist coming in and giving a keynote, talking about how as a dentist, he was a change agent. Because again, the whole conference was built around change management, organizational change, and uh, the roles of change and change methodology and so forth. Again, the story sticks with me, but also the message, not just the words, not just the unusual fit, if you will, but the message as well. Without going where you don't want to go, Sarah, what is one story about one of those transition points that changed your life? So I have a story that kind of changed the trajectory of my life. And it's funny because this story is where I go back to whenever I get told I don't have a story or my story doesn't matter, my story's not valuable. Because the story that changed everything for me was actually about going to Ireland and accidentally getting a tattoo that looked very phallic and coming back just mortified because of that tattoo. And that's the story that just kind of changed the trajectory of my career as ridiculous and absurd as I know that sounds. But it's true because that happened, I was probably about 22 years old and I wanted a tattoo of an airplane as a reminder to find the next adventure and commemorate this big solo trip that I took. And when I was at a podcast conference, I met the host of Stacking Benjamins, which is a really amazing finance podcast. And I was in the finance media space and I wanted to get my host booked on his show. And when I pitched him, he said, that's great, but I don't need an expert. I need someone with a cool story. And I kind of blacked out a little bit. And what I said next was, do you want to hear about the time I got a tattoo of a penis while I was in Ireland? And he surprisingly wanted to hear that story. And I accidentally got myself booked on this podcast. And the way he guided me through telling this ridiculous story was a way that really pulled value out of it. And it highlighted this experience of going to Ireland, being on a solo trip, uh, really being on my own, learning how to take risks and learning how to uh, be comfortable in being by myself, be more confident. I ended up quitting my job, moving across the country, getting a far higher paying career and ending up launching a company, launching another company. All of this stuff that I did and accomplished that really started from me having this kind of journey of self-discovery while I was in Ireland. So what I took to be this just funny story I would tell at a bar when I was bartending became the story that I tell on stages across the country when I speak at conferences. And that is ridiculous if you think about it, but it also shows that you don't have to have this massive really traumatic or dramatic story. You just have to have a story that is personal, that's authentic, that you learn something from. And there is value in all of these stories as long as you know how to tell it. Thank you for sharing that. I'm sorry for sharing that. <laughs> if you are, we can edit it out. Uh, no, no, it's totally fine. I want to share 
a personal story as well. Not about a tattoo, <laughs> but several years ago, I received an email and it read something to the effect, I'm a high school sophomore in Massachusetts studying photography. Our assignment is to write the biography of our favorite photographer. I Googled gay photographers and you're my favorite. May I interview you? Ego said yes. So I got on the phone. This was pre-Zoom. I got on the phone with this um, young man and his questions really were well thought out. I mean, he really had done his homework about me and he clearly was investing himself in this. And he came out with one question, which was, how did you come to your photography? So I answered the question and I turned it back to him and asked him, and how did you come to your photography? And he said, it's a way to see a world outside of the abuse I experience at home every day and the assaults I suffer at school on a regular basis. Ego had said yes to the interview. My heart said, you can't just say, I hope you get a good grade. And so I offered to stay in touch with him. And we did. Um, that summer between his sophomore and junior years, his mother threw him out of the house because she didn't want a gay son around. She was single, and I think she found he was intruding too much on her personal life by being there. And so we spent a lot of time talking while he was wandering the streets of Boston and sofa surfing. And um, then his mother asked me to support him in preparing for his uh, SATs and, and college applications and scholarship applications and to do campus visits and so forth. And I was there when she wasn't. And then one day, three months before his high school graduation, he called me. He said, my mother told me I have three hours to get out of the house. What do I do? And that was one of those turning points. It was, Brian, are you the person that you put yourself out to the world as? Or are you full of crap, basically? You know, are you going to tell them good luck? Yeah. Or are you going to step up? And I stepped up, and Brandon's now 31. He's my son. And um, stories are about who we are. Can I say you really just made my story sound just so lame? <laughs> I'm over here like almost crying over yours and I'm just like, yeah, but I got a tattoo. <laughs> Not just any tattoo. <laughs> Next time you go first. So really set the tone. <laughs> Sarah, I think the story that's so important is that our stories are personal. Our stories are important to us and they are a way of connecting with others. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go into details here. But at, at the Quantivos Leadership Retreat just last week, tattoos became a subject of conversation at the dinner table one night. Yeah. And it's surprising who has tattoos and what they have tattoos of. But again, the stories behind why they got those tattoos and what they mean to them really helps us connect with one another. Yeah, they say that everybody has a story, but I kind of disagree with that. I think that everybody is a story. We are all anthologies. We all have just pages and pages of these stories. We have chapters that we don't read out loud. We have like characters that are either supportive or unsupportive. We're always trying to fight some kind of battle and the antagonists and everything. Like everybody is living a story every single day. 
And you can't really know if what you're going through is real, almost, if you don't see it happening elsewhere. It kind of comes back to representation mattering. And if you're not open with what you're experiencing and the stories that you have and the stories that you've been living, someone else out there might be struggling with something that you're going through, but not able to really put into words what's happening because no one's talking about it. So when you said before, if if there's anything I don't want to talk about, I have always said like I am an open book. Because if there's anything within my story that can help somebody else, whether it's just make them laugh on a bad day because it's a story about a tattoo, or if it's one of the like deeper stories of things that I like struggles I've been through. If anything I've been through can help somebody else and connect with them and make them feel seen, then that's a story worth telling. I really appreciate that. Thank you. I often dive into stories with my clients. Because, like you said, we're an anthology, and like I said at the beginning, we're all telling ourselves stories every day that believe and they become our truths. Yeah. And I often do what I call gremlin to guru work, and that's taking those gremlin stories that were not good enough, that I can't do math, I'm a bad public speaker, I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm whatever. And how do you turn those stories into gurus, because we are not too young or too old. We are good enough. You know, one of my stories is I can't learn foreign languages. Well, some things have occurred in my family circle, if you will, where I now have to learn sign language. And guess what? I can learn languages. But I have fun when I'm doing gremlin to guru work, and and my clients have fun because they tend to name their gremlins. And so Just a couple of quick what happened to the gremlin stories. Robert was one of the gremlins of one of my clients, happened to be the name of his one of his ex-partners. And Robert got ended up getting written on a piece of paper, dunked into a jar of water, and put into the freezer. Evelyn got, who was constantly on the shoulder of another of my clients, really feeding her imposter syndrome. Evelyn got almost quite literally kicked to the curb. We can change our stories, and I think that's important too. Now, you've got that story of that tattoo that could have taken you somewhere very different than where it has taken you. And so reflecting on our stories, listening to our stories, where do we want them to take us? Yeah, I think it goes back to how do you tell it? And the way that we tell our story can change everything about it. It can change whether it's something that people laugh at or something that people take seriously. It can change if it's something that you only tell a few people in your life or you tell from a stage. And the way that we tell these stories can be cathartic to our, for ourselves. It can be eye-opening to other people. And I love that you brought up imposter syndrome because that's something that is probably part of all of our stories. And it doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, how accomplished you are. It's something that you deal with. It's something that I deal with. And I'm pretty sure this is audio only, so no one else can see me. But I'm young, and I look younger than I am. (laughs) And I travel around the country and speak at conferences. And it's really hard to not feel like an imposter when 
you feel like people are looking at you like, is it bring your child to work day or something? But when I started my career, I was basically handed imposter syndrome on a silver platter. I was offered a job from a client, the president of the company I was currently working for, said, why would he want you? You're just a copywriter. So at that moment, I was just completely invalidated. And I've spent the last five years of my career just trying to prove whether it's to her, to myself, to the world, that I'm more than just a copywriter. But that's not something that I'll probably ever be fully convinced of myself because it was just said to me by someone in a position of power whom I respected. So... I am trying to change my own story to remove that piece, but that's still going to be in that chapter. Like there is no whiteout in life. There's no just delete button. So we have to take those stories that don't have the most positive role. And if we can't rewrite them, we need to learn from them and be able to identify the way that they've impacted us and try to work around them, which is something I've been doing for the past five years. Sarah, you brought up something very interesting in that story, which is we have stories that we create about others as well. You're just the copywriter. That was her story. And she wrote her definition of you into that story. And that's how she saw you. And that's how she treated you. And if she had written a different story about you, your path forward would have been different as well. And so really to think about the stories we write about the people in our lives, whether they be friends, relatives, whether they be coworkers, um, members of the team that we're supporting or whomever, it brings to mind a, a story one of our coaches told on one of our earliest podcasts at the time, Daphne was very young, working, if I remember correctly, in finance in, in the FAA. And her boss said, if you were only more like so-and-so. That was her boss's story of her. But what it was saying to her is, don't be who you are. Who you are is not enough. People always say it's like the golden rule of treat others the way you want to be treated. But I think we need to reframe that as treat yourself the way you would treat others. And especially in professional settings and people that we care about or, or people we support, people in our network, we're very supportive of them, but we're not very supportive of ourselves. And I think when it comes to this imposter syndrome and how we can start to get over it and start to fight against it is by treating ourselves the way we treat others. There are so many people in my life that I support them 100%. I think whatever they do is amazing. I'm so proud of them every day. But if I have a typo in one thing that I put out, I'm like, oh my God, I'm the worst. Like who put me in this position? And we, I mean, everyone knows we are our own worst critics, but if we can take that time to like actually think through what we say, whether it's to ourselves or to other people, I think we'll be able to reframe that. Sarah, any last words about the power of story? Everybody has a story. I always say to use your outside voice. And if you have something that you get so excited to talk about, and it's the thing that people tell you like, oh, you, you talk about that too much, or you talk about it too loud because you get so excited, 
you need to talk about it more. Those are the stories that you need to be telling and you need to tell them in your outside voice and make sure that people can hear them because no matter what your story is, there is somebody out there who needs to hear it. Sarah Lozzi, Favorite Daughter Media, thank you so much for sharing your stories. Thank you so much for having me.